We'd like to welcome Tom and Laura to come light the Advent calendars for us, please. Uh, let's pray here. You know, there's so many things about the, the gift that God has given us, and we're here to celebrate the gift of your son and the joy that he brought to the world. We had the wise men come and bow down and the shepherds just be as happy, as joyful as they could be to see what God did for them. Psalms 97, light shines on the righteous and joy on the upright in heart. Rejoice in the Lord, you who are righteous, and praise his holy name. So why do we light the third candle? join all of creation in celebrating him. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother, Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. All right. Amen. Thank you very much. If you've got one of those books, those uh, Advent books, and you think, oh, we missed a few days, just start where you're at. <laughs> it's fine. Uh, we, wanna, we hope you're, you're blessed by that. Also, I uh, want to welcome, we have a guest bassist today, David. He's a friend of Paul's, and so he is joining us. Uh, is it just this week? Oh, Jan okay, great, great. Well, we're glad you're with us, and uh, say hello to him uh, as, you, as you get ready. Thank you. As we had the day, the, the weekend off, kind of, uh, we were down in South Carolina uh, for pretty much Friday and came back on Monday to see, uh, it was for actually Mike and Grace's baby shower, and so Grace looks very pregnant and sore with child, as the King James would say, and uh, they're due next month. Uh, about the middle of the month. So there'll be another weekend where we'll be gone and we just don't know because the baby won't tell us when he or she is arriving. But uh, So we're looking forward to a grandchild number two uh, for that and continue to pray for them as they get ready for their obviously new stage of life. Appreciate it, uh, David stepping in and giving the message as we started probably the most unusual Christmas series we've ever done, uh, to talk about the things that God hates. We're going to finish that passage today, but we have to come to grips with that, that there are some things that God hates. Even though he's a God of love, there are things that just are awful in his sight. And maybe, it, I mean, it's hard for us to come up with some kind of parallel for ourselves uh, we, we may see like our own children or family members suffering, say, from an addiction or from cancer, and we feel that, that holy hatred in a sense that there are just things that ought not to be. Well, this list that the probably Solomon wrote here is a list of things that God hates because they distress his soul. They cause pain and anguish 
to not just his own character, although it, it is that, but also the, the very hearts that of ours, of ourselves, they get, sin hurts, right? Uh, the bad news in all of this is that God will judge. He, in fact, calls evil, evil. And he calls good, good. I, I've been working my way through Psalm 119. And if you're familiar with that, it's like this huge psalm. Uh, and so Psalm 119, verse 119, just the first part of it, says, All the wicked of the earth you will discard like dross. There will be a day when God's judgment comes to fruition. Um, and if, if we're thinking, good, let him get it, that's probably not the most godly attitude uh, because we, want, we, we also have good news for that. Uh, but there was one day in the days of Noah where the ark shut. That day came. So this, this, truth, this truth of that, that the wicked will perish, this is the truth that required the cross. That's why Jesus had to die is because that was true. We have morals and people are always challenging those. What's right? What's wrong? And if you, if you look back, uh, say, in, in older, like once in a while you see something with movies or television shows that just wouldn't fly today of how uh, things they say, things they do. Smoking is probably the best example. You notice in modern movies, hardly anyone smokes unless they're doing something you know, for that period. Uh, but in modern day movies of, of today, people don't do that because that's, that's kind of a taboo. It's something that our morality has changed over the years regarding that. Um, and, but really when it comes to what is right and wrong, it's not based on what we consider popular or good or bad. It's what the Lord considers good or bad. And all those come from his character. So when we look at these things God hates, it's not just, oh, it's a rule that's being broken. It's we're violating the very character of God. We're contracting his very person. Another example, another list would be the Ten Commandments. Why did God say, don't do those things? Because those things violate his character, his very person. He didn't randomly say, well, Am I good with lying and adultery? I don't know. I guess we'll go this way. He, it, it was automatic because it was from his very being. So I'm going to read actually the whole passage. What Again, David started last week. But it's Proverbs 6, 16 to 19. There are six things that the Lord hates, seven that are an abomination to him. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, the hands that shed innocent blood a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that make haste to run to evil, a false witness that breathes out lies, and one who sows discord among brothers. And there, there are some more body parts here listed. You know, we have, we have ears and eyes and tongues and so forth. There are more, but not all of them will be that way. Let's look at the first one. Now, remember, we're calling this the naughty list because it comes down to us admitting Without Christ, we're all on the naughty list. And that's why these are important to know. Uh, the heart that devises wicked plans. Now, that could apply to all kinds of wicked plans. But as an example, think of the, the concept of manslaughter versus murder. Now, I'm not a lawyer, but there's a difference. So, for example, if, if you're 
cleaning your gun and it goes off and there's a tragedy and it hits somebody, uh, you didn't intend to do that. That wasn't wicked malice that you were, you, that someone uh, would die. You might still get arrested <laughs> for that. Or if you're driving along, and I can't, I can't imagine the horror of this, you're driving along and someone runs out and the street, there's nothing you could do. You just you happen to be driving, and they happen to run out in the street. You didn't plan that. You weren't, you weren't devising wicked plans to do that. That's manslaughter or accidental death. But in, in legal terms, the first-degree murder is when they show intent. So someone who's, for example, going to poison someone, well, they go and they buy the poison and they place it secretly in something that their victim is eating or drinking. They have this plan of what they're going to do. It is a wicked plan in advance. And that's first-degree murder. It's murdering with premeditation. You plan it. And heart plans, as we, as we saw the other week, is, are just as bad as if we carry them out for real. Matthew, again, look at Matthew 5 as well. God says, Jesus really raised the bar, didn't he, with, well, you've heard this was said, but I say to you. It's, it's one thing to say, well, I've never killed anybody, but it's another thing to say, well, I've thought about it. In God's eyes, it is just the same. It is a wicked plan. Jesus raised that bar. These plans, again, are not limited to murder. That's just our example. But it is scheming. It, it is a perverted heart that does this. So one of these things God hates is a heart that devises wicked plans. What's the next one? Feet that run to evil. Feet that run to evil. In Hebrew, it's one of the shortest Hebrew words, just two letters, ra, we would pronounce it. And it's also used in Isaiah 59.7. Isaiah wrote this about his own people. He's describing them and their walk with God. He says, their feet run to evil and they are swift to shed innocent blood. Their thoughts are thoughts of iniquity. Desolation and destruction are in their highways. So yeah, God can read our thoughts. He can look at our motives and motivations. This isn't new. Now, feet that run to evil. Now, I was thinking about this. Why do we run somewhere? Uh, aside from those who do it for exercise, but why, why would you run? You, you, you're going to run because you want to get somewhere quickly, as quickly as you can. Even if you're not able to run that quickly, you're going to do so, say, if you know, the tree caught on fire or something like that. We're going to get out of a building quickly. We're going to run. We're going to make haste to get out of something or to something because we want something. Long ago and far away, before the internet, Black Friday was a big deal uh, out in the stores. And we did this. I don't know if you did, but we would, we would be at the, the toy store at 4.35 in the morning with a whole bunch of other people waiting because they had that, you know, some particular deals, door busters, they call it. You remember? It's all bringing back the memories. Uh, and so we were there, and then they would only have, say, like, 100 of those particular deals or toys or televisions or whatever it is they're, they're selling at a great 
doorbuster deal. So you, you want to be polite, but you also want to get there quickly to that area. And so we would always kind of, will you go get this one and I'll go get that one and we'll meet, you know, we'll, we schemed, we were together on that. But we would at least walk pretty quickly. But some people were running to the back of the store to get that great deal. Why? Because they, they had a motivation to be there first, to get there, to rush. Um, but think about this now, feet that run to evil. They're on a mission. They're single-mindedness going towards something that's contrary to the very character of God. They want evil before everyone else gets it. That's how their heart is dedicated to that. In contrast, instead of running to the Lord, desiring him, desiring his very character, his presence, his word, they're running in the opposite way. And Isaiah further points out in Isaiah 520, he says, Woe to those who call evil good and good evil. God hates that. God hates it when our feet run to evil. Well, there's another one, a false witness. Now, this one's interesting because there's a couple references to lying in that whole passage, in that list of seven things. Uh, he says a lying tongue earlier, but now it's a false witness who breathes out lies. Literally, that's what it means. They breathe them out. Psalm 12.6 says, The words of the Lord are pure words. Not lying, but pure. Like silver refined in a furnace on the ground, purified seven times. If you know anything about metallurgy, the way you purify it is, is to heat it up, and the dross rises to the top. And you do this over and over again. And that's the way the Lord's words are. His, his words, what comes out of his mouth, is absolutely true and pure. What a contrast to the one who is a breathing out lies, or, or as it says, to um, uh, uh, be a false witness. Now, when I, when I hear that expression, false witness, I, I think of a courtroom setting. Obviously, you got the word witness there, and certainly it could apply to that. But it, it is more than just, oh, well, as long as I don't go to court and have to swear on the Bible and take the oath, I can never be guilty of this. Again, it's all motivation. It's all what it is, is in our heart. It can be, apply to any particular lie. But especially here, it's a lie that causes harm to someone else. If you give a false witness in a courtroom, then that could lead to the you know, presumption of guilt or that person pronounced guilty and they're going to suffer because you lied. And so th these lies have a, a, a more stringent, a harder consequence for that. Even what we call the little white lies. Remember, God's word is absolutely pure. And so any lie is going to be in contrast to that. This could be cheating. This could be um, uh, leaving the store having not paid for something. In fact, this happened to me once uh, at Sam's Club. Uh, we, we, we get quite a bit of salt for our water softener, and I always tuck it underneath on the cart. And uh, that particular day, we went through the, I went through the self-check. You know, we were, just did it all myself. 
Well, guess what I forgot to check? The salt. And, and they didn't catch it at the door. And so, so I'm going out there. I've been in my car, and I open the trunk, and I look down and went, oh, snap. I didn't pay for that bag of salt. And it occurred to me, you know what? They're lost. They have people there checking. If they didn't check it, fine. It's their doing. I just get a freebie today. But then this like cloud came on me and said, no. You're not going to leave this store. What if, your, what if your kids were little and they were here with you? What would you do? So, brought my cart back, said, sorry, <laughs> paid for the salt, came back out. That is, is devise, I was devising wicked plans in my heart. I was taking something that didn't belong to me. So, cheating as well, taking credit for someone else's work. This is getting more and more difficult for schools, both junior high, high school, and, and colleges, because of AI, you could, you could say, write me a report on Huckleberry Finn, and it will do it. And you could put your name on it and turn it in. Uh, you could do this. In fact, a friend of mine did this. You could write a song. You could write a Christian song about, you know, pick whatever, about the advent. And AI will produce a song for you, and you could record it as your own. Taking all the credit. Is it yours? Not really. Not really. It's someone else did it. Um, and so we have, even that is uh, uh, something that is a false witness. We, we could also do something that's, that's best described as uh, what's left on the cutting room floor. In other words, when there's a conflict or there's an issue and we're explaining our part in that conflict, like a, a traffic accident, for example. Well, we tend to not tell the negative things about ourselves. Well, yeah, that person ran the red light, but I was going 15 miles over the limit. We leave that part out. That, too, is bearing false witness. And I would also add breaking our word. We say we're going to be somewhere, and we're not. Uh, now, obviously, things come up, get a flat tire. We're not talking about that. We're just talking about blowing that off and breaking our word. This last one that God hates is discord. And this is someone who literally takes a fiendish delight in setting men against each other. I don't know if you're, if you're into superhero movies or not, but there was, a, there was the Batman movie, with Heath Ledger playing Joker, if you saw that. You don't, you, if, if you didn't see it, you don't need to to get this quote. But Batman was so confused how someone could just be such an awful person while he's causing so much harm. And if you know Batman, you know he's got his butler, Alfred. And Alfred says, at that time, he says, there are just some men who like to see the world burn. And I, I realize all that's fictional, but you know what? There are some people who just like to see the world burn. They like to get in there and wiggle in there and cause 
dissension and friction. They just, they just like that. There's a story, in, and I'm not going to read it word for word, it's, but it's out of 2 Samuel 22, first uh, of uh, 6 to 19. You could read it word for word if you want, but let me summarize it for you. David was on the run. He wasn't king yet. King Saul was still king. The trouble is Saul was out of his mind. He was nuts. He was crazy. He was crazy with jealousy over David. And he was chasing him. And there are times he came to his senses, but he was chasing him, pursuing him. David's living in caves. He's trying to get away from him. He's trying to get, you know, he's letting God take care of the problem, not himself. He wants God to deliver him. But David's, David's on the run for his life, literally. And there, by the way, multiple times where David could have killed Saul, but he wouldn't do it. So he was really ex- expressing his character. While David is on the run, and at, the, at that time, he was Saul's number two guy. He made Saul look great. Saul would send, before Saul went crazy, he would send David into battle. David would have this great victory, and Saul would get credit as well for it. He was doing, making Saul's kingdom grow and grow and grow until his insanity got a hold of him. So David's running for his life. He, his, his friend Jonathan, who is also Saul's son, is, is encouraging him, you got to get out of here, you got to leave. And so David comes to a priest of God. There are three offices in the Old Testament. There's prophet, and there's priest, and there's king. And as a little side note, Jesus fulfills all three of those roles. He's prophet, priest, and king. You had to be of the tribe of Levi, and you also, to be uh, the priests that actually do the sacrifices, you had to be a subset of Levi, which were the descendants of Aaron, as is Moses and Aaron. And so David visits the priest. He says, hey, I'm on an urgent business. He's not even telling why he's out. Can you help me? I don't, I don't have armor. I don't have food. And the priest says, oh, well, you're David. You're you're on the king's, you're obviously a good guy. You're on the king's business. He gave David food and he gave him Goliath's sword. And, and David left. Well, there's this guy. I always want to say his name's Dog, but it's Diog, Doeg, D-O-E-G. And he's, he's the Edomite. He's not from Israel. He's another guy. This guy sows discord. This guy likes to see the world burn. And Saul finally goes, Saul meets up, well, first of all, Diog says, hey, the priest helped David. And they rush over there, and, and sure enough, the priest says, what was I supposed to do? He's, 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 your, he's your number one soldier. He's your number one guy. Of course I was going to help him. I didn't know you were upset with him. How am I going to know that? Again, Saul, in his insanity, says, we're going to kill all the priests here. I mean, talk about someone who wants blood. Just because they helped his supposed enemy. Well, none of the Israelites would do this. Said, we're not going to touch the priest. What are you thinking? We're not going to do that. Well, remember, this guy, Doeg, is not an Israelite. And so he kills the priest himself. Over 80 people. David writes a psalm about him. 
And uh, there are psalms that are called imprecatory psalms, which means God's going to get you in another way. And David writes Psalm 52 about Doeg. God will judge this. That's an example of someone who gets in there to cause disunity. In this whole chapter, the con- the, the, there's this context of being continuing pattern in people's lives. It, it also continues in the New Testament. Romans 16, 17, and 18 refers to watching out for that person who causes disunity and discord and causes division. Uh, Paul says in, in 1 Corinthians 1.10, there should not be division in the church or the community. And Psalm 133.1 mentions how much God loves unity. And unity, folks, takes work. The people that sow that discord, that cause that friction between people, their job is really pretty easy. Unity is a lot like car and house maintenance, right? I mean, you could put a car in the garage and never, never drive it. It's still going to need maintenance. It just has, there are things in our homes that are going to, over time, break and fall apart. And we have to be active in, in you know, putting money, putting time, putting effort into keeping the, the home or the car up to spec. Our unity is like that. We have to actively pursue that. Well, on, on what do we remain unified on? Especially when someone is trying to sow discord. Um, first of all, listening to Jesus. We're, we're just wrapping up in our life groups, uh, experiencing God, and we're hearing about hearing from the Lord. And God has been speaking to many of you uh, and, what, and what you want uh, to, uh, to do for him. And he does God-sized things. We need to be listening together, not just as individuals, but as a church. What is God calling us to do? Okay. Uh, there are also core doctrines. There are things that we would take a bullet for in terms of what the Bible teaches, the deity of Christ, the, his, his atoning sacrifice, the resurrection. Those things are undebatable. But there are people that will bring discord and disunity to try and get us to doubt those. But let me give a word of caution. We're not talking about individual freedoms and personal convictions. Sometimes we confuse those. There are people that have a particular conviction about for themselves. They shouldn't do this. They shouldn't do that. Don't listen to this music. Don't go to this kind of movie. Don't, don't eat this. Don't drink that. And they have a personal conviction. And Paul's saying, don't fight over those either. That his, his advice in Romans 14 and into 15 is accept one another. Love one another. But there are those who will come in with some kind of pet rule or pet thing into a group of, of believers and try to cause friction. We also, to help us be unified, is on just how we treat each other with kindness, with generosity, and also with courtesy. Giving our pleas and thank yous to one another is, is something that's going to help generate our unity. And also in terms of our mission and vision. What are we, what are we about Helping people far from God discover life in Christ. That's our mission as a church. And when we're unified toward that, then 
It doesn't matter if someone's doing something over here as long as it's pointing toward that and leading to that. We don't need to feel guilty or, 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 or envious. They're contributing to the same thing that, that we are in our own way. If we're planning a vacation, if family's planning a vacation, and uh, one family member is getting the car ready, getting the oil changed, getting it cleaned up, make sure there's enough room for packing and all that. Another, fa- another family member is packing bags. Another family member is planning the route. Another family member is getting online and finding out what, they're gonna, what they could do on vacation and so forth. Well, they're all working toward that goal of going somewhere on vacation, even though they're doing different things. The same is true for our fellow churches in this area, in our, in our community. We all have our strengths and weaknesses where we are contributing. I'll give you an example that's, that has just come up this week. Uh, and, and actually, I can look over one right now, two of them, uh, bringing coffee for the vets. People are all cooperating toward that goal. Um, this month, and I'll uh, see it's on the 22nd, it's actually a few days before Christmas, we're opening our building for a band. It's the, it's the Catanning Community Band. And we're opening our, our building to them. Why? Because that's what our building's for. It's not just for us to meet on Sunday morning. It's for the community. Good. They're, I don't know what kind of music they're going to play. Is this a Christian group? No but I don't think they're evil. They might play Santa music. I don't, I'm not sure, just so you know, just so we're clear. But they're not gonna play, you know, draw a pentagram on the carpet or anything. Right? <laughs> That's not gonna happen. So I invite you to come. But there was an idea. Can Zion show some hospitality? And, and I'll, I'll give her credit. Trish had the idea. And I said, yeah, go for that. Well, within 10 minutes, we have five or six people who are saying, we'll make cookies so we could be hospitable to our community. The, one of the leaders is actually a teacher at the school here. Cool. That's what unity is when we're working towards something together. Well, so what do we do with all these negatives Voltaire said, some men are like insects. You don't know they exist until they sting. All those things that we listed, lying, sowing discord, running to evil, those things sting. Some people, I love, this is one of my favorite words, some people are just curmudgeons. If you don't know what that word means, what does it sound like? Curmudgeons. Some people are just always critical. They're trying to break groups apart. And you know, we're not exempt. Jesus had the same problem. In fact, the, when John the Baptist was, was alive, he had a very strict diet for himself, and he was criticized for it. Oh, look at that guy. What a jerk. What is, he doesn't know what he's talking about. And then Jesus comes, and he says, I came eating and drinking, and he says, oh, he's a glutton and, a ta- and, a, and, a, and an alcoholic. And Jesus pointed this out. Some people 
they're just going to look for something to be critical about. That, that's what they're going to do. They're going to break up that unity. But folks, God hates these things. And so we have to ask, do any of those have a part in our heart? Well, of course not, as, as believers in Christ. These are things where we are saved from. They not only harm others, they harm ourselves. Rather than, for example, running to evil, let's run to the Word. Let's run to the Lord. <laughs> I, get, I have lots of Psalm 119 quotes here because God's been showing me these things this, even this week. He says, Psalm 119.32, I will run in the way of your commandments. And so it, that supposes that we are in God's word. We are looking at it. We are reading it on a regular basis so that we can, we can let him speak to us directly. God opposes these other things. But there is freedom. When we, if we see these characteristics in our life and our heart, here's the good news of it. First of all, acknowledge God's goodness. God, you are not a liar. You're true. God, you are not wicked and evil. You are good and righteous. God, you, um, you don't sow discord. You bring people together. Just acknowledge that. And then acknowledge that he can free us. God, why do I keep doing that? Why do I keep running to that? Why do I, uh, what, what do I keep getting in people's lives and messing it up? Acknowledge that he can free you. Lord, you can save me from my harsh words or my lying. Remember, not only can we not save ourselves, that's another biblical doctrine. We are saved by grace through faith, not by works. The same is true for our growth. You can't be saved by grace through faith and then try to grow by works. It's all his power. God desires that we be cleansed and that we are free from those things. Seek help from other believers. You don't have to come up here and confess all your guts to everybody. You can just say to a friend, to a fellow brother or sister in the Lord and say, could you pray for me? I am struggling. I'm going to be in a situation where I'm going I'm to be really tempted to lie and I need to tell the truth. Will you pray for me? Will you call me? Will you check on me and how I did? Because you know what? If we're all honest... We all struggle. We're all in the same boat. None of us can look down our nose at one another and say we're more righteous than another one. And so that is why God gave us that, gave us one another. And then on one hand, I want to say repent as often as you need to. If you keep messing up on that one thing that God hates, or two or three, whichever, Repent as often as you need to. But on the other hand, uh, I, I also want to warn, don't be presumptuous either. Well, I'll do this and I'll repent later and God will forgive me. Now you have two sins. You have the thing God hates and now you have presumption, which actually might be that haughty eyes that I talked about as well. So I'm not, I'm not trying to make light of repentance, but you have to understand God hasn't given up on you. Sometimes we give up on ourselves. I've sinned too many times. I've messed up. He's not going to forgive me again. Yes, he will. Repent again and bask in the grace and the forgiveness of God.
while God expresses his hatred for sin. But I want you to remember that today he offers also his grace and his mercy. That is the good news. Can we pray about this together? If you're welcome to pray out loud or at least pray quietly with us today, but there are a few things we could pray from this passage. First of all, that God is absolutely pure and holy. Absolutely. This is why, this is why these things disturb him so much, why he despises him. But while he despises sin, he redeems us from it. He's not just saying, you do this, you do this, you do this, you do this. But he gives us the means to be restored and then live in conformity with him. That's the good news. So if you would like to maybe pray one of those as a sentence prayer or an additional prayer, let's spend some time, first of all, in praise and then in thanks for what he's done. Mm-hmm. Being in all purity and holiness and then coming and walking among us, all humanity, the God who walks with us, you can identify with our struggles. So, Lord Jesus, I thank you that you came to be with us. Lord, I know in the book of Revelation it says that your judgments are righteous and true. And just because they are you. They're, they're not just things you prefer. They are your very character, your very being that is pure and holy. And so we acknowledge that today. And Lord, we acknowledge that there are things that are contrary to your very nature. And so Lord, while you despise those things, you detest, you abhor them. You have given us redemption. You've rescued us from those things. And one day that rescue is going to be absolutely, completely imperfect. And we won't have the desire anymore. So we thank you, Lord Jesus, for the sacrifice 
of your body on that cross so that we indeed might be redeemed. And Lord, I could testify, you have brought restoration to me, those, those old habits, those old sins. There is victory. And, I, and we could trust you for those. Yes, the, the struggle goes up and down. Sometimes we take one step forward and two back, but Lord, we can trust you for your continued work in our lives and in our hearts that we might be conformed to you. Prepare our hearts now, Lord, for for our time of communion to remember this sacrifice. God, we thank you for the the juice that reminds us of your, your covenant with us, the blood that was shed, so that, we, so that you might take the wrath for us, that we indeed might be right with you. And Lord, for the, for the bread as it represents your body that was also broken on that cross so that we might live. Search our hearts, God, at this time. If there's any of these, any sin in particular, but Lord, we think of these, these seven things that you abhor. We could just confess and be right and repent, and admit that you're right. And Lord, you promise that your cleansing is true and complete. And so not based on our feelings, not based on our guilt, not based on our shame, but based on your promise that we are made right and pure and holy if we just come clean. In your name, amen. So again, for believers in the Lord, we uh, have the opportunity, it's, usually, it's our tradition for the, the second Sunday of the month that we remember uh, communion. Watch out for the candles, don't get burned. Uh, but uh, they'll be up here, come up individually as a family and partake when you are ready. Uh, we are collecting coffee uh, cups, uh, especially ones with lids. Uh, we are uh, stirs, individual creamers, individual um, uh, sugars, <laughs> that's what I wanted, uh, or any, anything kind of coffee related. Uh, so we have two more Sundays. There's next Sunday and actually Christmas Eve uh, that, that we have to bring those in because we'll be delivering those on Christmas Day. Uh, speaking of Christmas Eve, as you've heard me say, we have two opportunities on 10.30 in the morning, our regular meeting time, be about like a normal length and so forth, about an hour or so. Uh, anyone, of course, is welcome to come to that. But then at 6.30, we'll have eh, be about 45 minutes or so at 6.30 to 7.15. Uh, to, uh, you can go to both. They'll be, diff- they'll be different. Uh, or one. Uh, but appreciate if you could join us uh, for Christmas Eve. The, the Christmas night one, the Eve... Christmas Eve, you know what I mean, the 6.30 p.m. one, I'm going, uh, we'll be specifically bringing the gospel message uh, to that, uh, and so it's, it's a good one to be bringing people to. A lot of you I know are already uh, inviting friends. If we could be praying for people you've invited, please let us know. We want to join you in prayer uh, for that as well. New Year's Eve, uh, we will we'll, we'll meet for a couple worship songs and a little bit of preview of 2024, but it's also going to be our makeup Polish potluck dinner, and so we'll, we'll bring some, you can bring your own, you can go get some frozen pierogies and make them yourself, 
or try something or try something else as well. Uh, just look it up online. There's all kinds of recipes. Uh, and then our, our um, white elephant gift time as well. So as I said, if you get a lousy Christmas gift, you can bring it on the 31st and get rid of it and dump it on someone else. Uh, uh, and so that'll be our time to just kind of f- uh, finish the year uh, for us. Um, Katani, the, I mentioned earlier in the message, Katani Community Band. It, it'll be 7 p.m. on the 22nd. Next week, we're going to need to move our chairs way back. In fact, I said the first four rows. The four rows goes to the back. Yeah, or however we do it. But we're going to need to open up this front area uh, for them. Speaking of chairs, uh, remember we've talked about blinds and we approved that? They're getting done Tuesday. Yay. Okay, and so, um, uh, again, so it'll, it'll just look a lot nicer. Um, what we need to do today, if you are able, is to take like the first couple chairs in and just stack them in away from the windows because um, they're doing all the upstairs windows, including the ones in the office. And so even if our, if our working around our, our counting team and everything, there's two windows in the office. And if, you, if, you, if you're not convinced we needed blinds, look at those two sets. They're really bad. <laughs> but uh, we need to pull things away from the windows because they're including installation, which is really cool <laughs> and for us. So uh, that'll, be, that'll be happening on Tuesday. Uh, and, but we could use your help just kind of getting things out of the way for the workers. Okay? Ready? Still no cats on the 